It's um have have either of you been tried out the the I imagine you've been uh subjected to it, Becca, but the the Blumpkin Halloween uh updates. I got given the pumpkins from Louise and they even though it was like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and almost their bedtime, they stayed up until I made my pumpkin patch so they could see it and like give me ideas on it. And like today and yesterday when I load it up because it's I was in the house when I'm playing it. Louisa's like, "Oh, show me your blumpkins." <laughs> so yeah, our blumpkins. Uh, I feel so evil. I'm like, ha- I'm like the one person in our little wee circle that hasn't booted up Animal Crossing and went like to town on pumpkins and Halloween and makeup. Uh, I-, I need to jump on there. <laughs> yeah, Louise was telling me about her request for to get all your spooky stuff from the store because you're not buying it every day, and I'm like, well. That still requires Anton playing it every day, which he's not doing. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Is if if I had the motivation to boot it up, then I would have been stealing it for myself. <laughs> There's a very thin margin in there. I, I sometimes just give my switch to Rennie though, and they just uh, pillage whatever they're needing at that time. Like when they did the acorns, there was just branches everywhere. It was hell. <laughs> they just. I didn't even go near the acorns, even though I was playing it like every day. I don't even know what they do. <laughs> I'm such a bad animal crossing and somehow I've put in 120 hours but I don't know what's going on. Do you know what? I'm I almost to... at 200 hours and I still don't know what's going on. Hmm. I, I think I'm at the lowest. I think I'm about, I'm about 60 because I, I used to... I, I got really into the turnip um, market of just selling like turnips and then I got really stressed out about having to check every day and I was like, I'm going to stop doing this and then I just stopped that wasn't a, to me that's not a good reason to stop animal crossing because i played it to sort of chill out but i think i got so invested in the the turnip stock market um i still need to boot up the update as well actually uh Liv has been our friend spent one million on turnips this week who did that emily oh my god, oh my god. one million so they're like hey yeah if you could check your turnip prices every day and i was like i'll try but i i don't like go on it in the mornings and then when I come home it's like questionable if I, I remember hope, to. I hope they were able to shift them because this is the last day. I think they ended up going to Rennie's on like Friday or Thursday or Friday and they were like 180 so maybe like in it, like most in like 80 per turnip profit. Yeah that's like 1.8 million bills that's that's some good that's some good stonks. I mean yeah if, if you're into it. If you're into it. This is the final film in our Wes Craven anthology as chosen by one Mr. Anton. Uh, and it is Wes Craven's, uh, a, what would you call it, a post-slasher? Uh, yeah, the post-modern slasher, which uh, 1996, um, probably the most popular of these kinds of movies. He did New Nightmare, I believe, in 94, 92-ish of time uh, and that was technically the first one but uh, for many people it's either this or Nightmare on Elm Street it's uh, a tough competition <laughs> yeah so I would say for me coming from Nightmare to this I thought I'd like Nightmare more I think I prefer Scream I think I, wow. I love yeah no I love it I love its sense of humour I love all the sort of like nods to the old movies like I love it when <laughs> Drew Barrymore 
is on the phone to the killer, Ghostface, and she's like, what's your favourite scary movie? And then she says, Halloween, and then the Nightmare on Elm Street joke was like, yeah, but all the other ones are crap, but the first one. And I was like, ah, that's pretty funny, Wes. That's pretty good. We see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hmm, yes. It's, um, yeah, it was quite interesting for myself watching it where it's uh, i managed to convince my partner to watch it and they haven't really seen any horror movies so but for myself this is the first time i've seen a seen it since going for uni so it's like i've spent so much time absorbing purely horror movies and slashers in particular they're going in blind so it was interesting to just kind of try and think of how they're picturing this movie without the kind of deconstruction of the genre elements yeah well like I've not seen like again I think most of the horror I've been subjected to is f- for this and then maybe the thing as I've said mm-hmm. in like previous podcasts and like sort of more modern horror stuff like Ari Aster's stuff with like Midsommar and Hereditary but like like me not seeing a lot of horror movies I can see where how a lot of the tropes are just getting like poked apart like you know the stuff about like the final girl or like how Jamie Lee Curtis being the scream queen and things like that or you know them literally calling out tropes and then them kind of happening anyway kind of a thing because it still needs to kind of stay within the tropes of the horror yeah. film for the sake of the movie yeah when was kind of when thing. was the last time you saw the, this film becca i cannot remember is it gone <laughs> i think this might be the yeah i think this might be only the second time i've seen it i think it was maybe like teens early teens the last time I saw it like enough that I forgot a large bit of the plot but not enough that I didn't remember like you know oh yeah that girl that gets killed by the garage door and like what happens to Drew Barrymore like remembered the most important bits Mm -hmm. the most memorable bits but like the nuances of the plot were kind of gone yeah but yeah it was fun watching it the second time and then when Dewey's like I'm 25 I was like I'm also 25, and that gave me a bit of a crisis. Well, Dewey said he was 25. I was like, I'm 26. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's so supposed he's... to be this like baby young cop guy that no one takes seriously, and it's like, I'm the same age as him. Mm. And I'm like, I'm older than him. What What, what happened? Oh, see, Anton cannot yeah, relate. Well, I have the inverse effect. I'm like, if he can't be taken seriously, what am I doing? <laughs> if, if 25's a baby, what am I? A fetus over here. It's a... Uh, <laughs> yeah it's but yeah I couldn't convince my flatmate to watch it I asked them and they were like no this is still too much horror but they did like come in and out when I was watching it sometimes and every so often they'd just be like look at it and at one point they were like oh it's so small because I couldn't get it widescreen for some reason the Xbox didn't like the DVD so it was like 4 by 3 so I had to zoom in on the television which was fun so yeah I saw a very small version of Scream mm. And then, like, towards the end, when there's, like, the epic finale, they came in, they're like, which one's the one with Shaggy in it? And then Matthew Lillard came on screen, they're like, there he is! <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, a fun one where it's, like, as, I think especially in the, the viewing context I kind of went in, it's, like, interesting to think of it as a, you know, the kind of parody or play on a horror movie, then also just as a horror movie, where... I think if it's just a horror movie, it's kind of weak. Like, you really, it's only really the parody play, kind of that sort of stuff that makes it really good, you know what it I mean? Makes it stand out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like I wasn't scared watching this at all. I did like I got a, I got a jump when the chair went through the window at the start, but that was it. Yeah, and it's and that was it. It was just like that, you know. If you go in blind, you know, where we're kind of saying it, it's like, yeah, that's uh, uh, what's it? The ter- the words like a uh, a glorification of the the generic b- bimbo style character, but you know, going blind, it's just like what a s- like crude pointless character or whatever it could be um yeah it's uh but overall everybody everybody enjoyed their their time with this film i had a great time i really enjoyed it. i thought it was fantastic i um oh what was i gonna say one thing i found quite funny with it was um i remember i was speaking to adam about this and he was saying that when they did all the advertising back in the 90s like back in 96, 97 whenever it came out they were talking about how Drew Barrymore was basically in the trailers made to look like the lead in it yeah they done played everyone yeah yeah. so they made her look like the lead for the whole film and it was just kind of like oh five minutes later I guess not did he tell you this before it or after it after good because if he told you it before it then you would have been getting in trouble for ruining your viewing experience Mm. do you know what I there is one thing that slightly muddies this for me and it's not Scream's fault it's Scary Movie's fault because I've seen Scary Movie multiple times as a young child I don't like that movie I, th- I think it's, it's I, I, hate, I hate it the weird parody movies why were they a trend why were they a thing because <sighs> I think they thought they could be they could be as funny as like the sort of classic ones from the 70s like Life of Brian Monty Python and Airplane but they don't want you're not movie. Monty Python <laughs> you're not Monty Python no um so but like a lot of the plot beats i will say this about scary movie it's pretty faithful to mocking scream mm. like to a t like the bit where um ghostface chases drew ba- chases drew barrymore and then stabs her that that's they make a joke about that in scary movie and like almost verbatim but they changed the ending so i'm glad because i had a suspicion that dewey was ghostface the whole time which was what they made out at the end of scary movie and I'm kind of glad that it wasn't there because I would have been so upset. <laughs> and no, it's not even Scream's fault either. Yeah, it's um. Just your pure choice in films. It's amazing hearing like the behind the scenes from like Wes Craven when the uh, uh, scary movie came out because apparently he was it was the same parent company or something like that that made it, and he was just absolutely mortified that they butchered his baby. It's it's, it's what have you done? <laughs> Yeah, I, baby, I don't blame him. My beautiful child, what have you done? It's like, it's like um, it's like Gene Wilder being really upset with uh, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that Tim Burton did. Calls it a travesty to mankind. I think that was an actual quote. Yeah, it's um. I mean, he didn't make Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, though. No, true. Um, I am curious to see what Mel Brooks would think of it. But I think he just meant the kind of you've seen it, right? Why is Mel Brooks being brought into this? Oh wait, no, Mel Brooks didn't do Charlie and Chocolate Factory, did he? I just, I just assumed Roald because Dahl. I'm so confused. No, but <laughs> I meant, I meant the, I meant the, the Willy Wonka movie where uh, Gene Wilder plays Willy Wonka. I, I, yeah. I had it in my head; it was Mel Brooks. I was like, no, that's Blazing Saddles producers and all that. My bad. And you, you say Mel Brooks, and in my head, I had Mel Gibson. So just a completely different <laughs> situation. I, oh I big no! all the males band together in Hollywood to take down Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, they... Yeah. Or I think the Tim Burton one's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Who knows? One of them's one, one of them's the other. But, 
Anyway, back to yeah. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> back to uh, Scream. Kind of, as you're saying, Sam, with the trailers, I would have loved to have seen this film when it came out. Because it's only like when you're... It's like subtle stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, it's like the houses they're using for this film are completely different. Or the fact that they're referencing that horror movies exist in this universe is a first. And just little stuff like that. It's like, I would have loved to have went without this... Because obviously meta stuff's far more common now. So I would have loved to have had that yeah, line to it. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I feel like, like especially horror then, would have been completely different to what it was now. Because I think I said this before on, on the previous podcast where I feel like a lot of the horror stuff that's considered horror by a lot of the mainstream public is kind of your conjurings and paranormal activity style movies or slender, or like the, the, the slender movie. But like it has a very different feel and a very different flavor to like the classic stuff from the nineties, eighties, and even seventies with like Hills of Eyes, um, and they even have a lot of self-referential stuff in those as well. So when this came out, this would have been—I could see this being like groundbreaking, and I can see why people still talk about it now. Yeah, it's uh, I, the closest I ever got to consuming this, and it's a pure nineties vibe. As I remember once in a charity shop discovering Scream laser discs. And it's like one of my biggest regrets never buying it. What? Because watching Scream on a laser disc would have just been like 90s glory, Becca. I would have adored that. <laughs> I would have. Do you know what? I would love to see it in a picture disc for just to say that I have seen a picture disc. Mm. <laughs> That's actually it's a good point because I love how 90s the soundtrack is to this one. Because we went from like the pure synth of Nightmare on Elm Street and then this is just so just 90s <laughs> I love it Becca yeah the music did actually stand out for me in that there was just some weird choices and some of it was like quite spooky at the start and I feel like they were building tension at the start and then I feel like at some point when they went into the party that was just kind of lost or you know where they lost all the like spooky tension for me. I can pinpoint the exact moment. Oh, what's that? It's when Sydney and her best friend, whose character name Tate, I think, and they're shopping for food for the party, and the camera lingers on that freezer, and then you see Ghostface do like a spooky little like, oh, <laughs> I'm here too, in the supermarket. Yeah. That's where they lost me. I was like, the whole town is on a curfew because you're killing people dressed up as Ghostface. They've known. We saw a scene earlier of a news anchor holding up your mask saying, this is the mask that the killer is wearing. I do not believe for a second he could have just been like wandering about in the supermarket doing the silly little dances and appearing in freezers. That's where they lost me. I I guess the way you could frame that, if they wanted to get away with it, they could be like, well, it was one of the kids at the school and it wasn't actually him. But I get what you mean. I did actually kind of like the, the shot of just his reflection. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. But I didn't find it, it scary. It was a cool shot, but like, yeah, within the context of the film, you could pass it off as the kids doing it, but the kids who were like running around in costumes earlier got expelled. They got some quite bad consequences for it. So I don't believe that they one, didn't get caught, two, didn't get like jailed for a night for it. Yeah, by, uh, by Principal Fonz. Yeah, wasn't that a surprise? <laughs> yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised for that. I barely see him in anything. Um, I did kind of enjoy the little cameo of him checking out himself out and like with the mask on, and he goes outside and the janitor just wearing Freddy's jumper. Mm. It's um quite f- 
like I feel like the editor just had fun screwing with the sound effects because obviously we have the the bit with his scene where he's like cutting with the scissors and it's just all stab sounds. Oh yeah, uh, shwing, shwing. yeah. And there's a, the scene where there's like a Wayne's cupboard world appears, um, yeah. and they just have really dramatic sound effects and nothing happens. They're just playing it up for nothing, <laughs> which I love. It's uh, it's just yeah, it's interesting. I, I like the the way they're just being like, yep, we're just going to throw some suspense here. You know what's happening, but we're not going to do it. We're not giving it to you. <laughs> just messing with you. Hmm. Like one of the things, like I'll say this, my, I think my favorite scene in the whole film, which is like the ultimate kind of "I'm messing with you" kind of thing, was Matthew Lillard and what's the oh, the the horror movie geek in the in the VHS show. Randy. Yeah, I think that was I think that was my favorite thing in the entire movie. I loved it so much of just like them kind of going back and forth talking about like the stupid horror tropes. Like it could be you, it could be me. It's like oh, this film's totally self aware. Like it, it like it, it's it's like so. And it's like it's really comfortable in doing it. It's not like, hey guys, nudge nudge wink wink. It's more like having an actual. Well, it's like that, but it's kind of more having like a sort of casual conversation about it in the film. And I like the bit where they were talking about, I think Freddy Krueger, and then there's like a character in like a extra in the background who's kind of blurred out, and she just kind of listens to this comp- master little going on about, it, and she just shakes her head and then just walks away because like, oh, he's way off. Yeah, I think that's because, like, Randy was, like, shouting in the middle of a video store about, like, yeah, why wouldn't you have a reason to kill your girlfriend? That's totally acceptable. And it's like, yeah. Randy, chill, hun, calm down. <laughs> I would yeah. also walk away if I heard that. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not needed here. But then you'd also want to stay because Matthew Lillard just brings it in every single scene. He is so energetic in this film. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, then you should give the little film called 13 Ghosts a watch. Is he in he's that? he's also amazing in that. Isn't he, Anton? Who did he play again? I, I've completely... He was the psychic guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is a character. He goes from, like, super serious one scene to completely scream the other scene. <laughs> um, and then he becomes shaggy. He went full circle. I, I really want to get a DVD of Scooby-Doo just to watch the... the you know, historic and legendary uh, behind-the-scenes interviews because they, they. I have <gasps> a DVD of it. I have both films. Whenever you can come over again, we'll have like a Scooby-Doo behind-the-scenes oh, night. Yes, it's. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a plan. We can. Uh, we can boot up Premiere. We can cut together all three movies into one narrative. We'll write the script ourselves. Where's the third movie? Uh, <laughs> Scooby-Doo, Scream. Oh, what timeline are you in, Anton? Oh, not the Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, are, we talk, are you talking about Scream and Becca's talking about Scooby-Doo? There's four Screams. Yeah. I haven't seen the, the, the TV show yet. That's um, I, I, It's on Netflix, isn't it? Yes. I think it's not ex- like a Netflix original, but it exists. Um, <laughs> that's all I can add there. I heard there was a fifth one coming out next year. Yeah, like as, a, as a crazy rumor. Oh, it's a, a hard and stone. Uh, it was getting worked on before Wesley's passing, so I think early drafts of it have went through his hands, but it's been passed on to new directors and new writers to get to where it is. And uh, it's quite fun to just see it because every couple of months we see somebody being cast in it, and it's yeah, it's going to be. Could be a bizarre one. They they're putting their uh, their full heart into it at least, but uh, 
it's going to be the only one without Wes, which stings a little. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems quite, you know, kind of sad. That it's, but I, I suppose the one thing you could take is that this is kind of like, at least he had his hand in it, so at least it still has something to do with Wes, in a way. Yeah, and if it, you know, if the core, like the later Scream films become more critique of horror sequels, being that he was somebody that always hated horror sequels, so um, I think as long as his critiques are intact of, you know, why should a movie even get close to five sequels? Uh, we could have something there yeah. which might be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm, I'm tempted to actually just go on the anthology, like, <laughs> um, journey of just watching them all. Yeah. I'm, and seeing where they go. I, I'm a complete um, same boat. Yeah, are, how are you feeling about that, Becca? Um, I have all of them now, thanks, no Anton. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I've never seen, I think I might have seen two, I've never seen three and four, but I know what happens because I'm that sort of person who watches videos about films I've never seen. But I think three is like universally everyone's worst film. Yeah, I think two's alright, and then people don't like three, and then four is like, regains it again. Yeah, from what... Well, say there'll be some people out there who hate 4 and, like, love 3 or hate 1 and love 2. Mm. Yeah, from what I can gather is Wes got in a, a multi-year contract, multi-film contract with uh, Miramax and was, like, basically for... No, Miramax or the Weinstein Company? I can't remember which one. <laughs> it's one of those... Um, a Company. A Company. I, I know... I know one of the Weinstein's was involved with the making of Scream, so it could be the Weinstein Company. Yeah. So I think I think uh, I think I remember reading Kevin Smith's autobiography, and the big thing he talked about was that it was like Tarantino um, with Reservoir Dogs, him with Clerks, and Wes Craven with Scream was the kind of like big thing that pushed uh, the Weinstein Company into like the stratosphere. Ah, so yeah, that that lines up. But yeah, I've basically got out a multi-year contract, and then they were like, "Yeah, we only want Scream films from now on." And uh, Wes Craven historically always wanted to do uh, romance films, and he's done one or two in his career. None were really that successful, so I I have a theory that he was probably signed on to the deal to maybe do, you know, another scream, and the, a film he actually wanted to do, and it just never worked out, and he kept just half-assed <laughs> moving forward. So you got to get that that concrete deal in, so you can live life like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. It, Wait, what's what's the what's the what's the Nolan deal? Ah, uh, he just has deals with companies where like he makes a film for them and then he gets to make his own films. Oh, the one so for you, made, one for me. Yeah, so that's why we got like the Batman's and then he got to make Inception. I feel like that's how we got um like Thor Ragnarok, which to be fair was great in its own right, and then we got uh Hum- no, we got Thor Ragnarok, then we got um uh Jojo Rabbit with Taika. Could yeah, be. there there may be an aspect. Uh, yeah, there'll be quite a few of them yeah. that do. There's also an aspect of just I am the big dog now. Who wants it? <laughs> it's ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Listen to me. I've been uh, showing it to you all for 15 years. Hire it already. <laughs> Let's get it done and dusted. Which that is just the goal, just to be able to just do your own thing. It was at like the. For instance, like the the newest Charlie Kaufman film, where it's basically you just look at it and it's like, 
the production company had nothing to do with this they were just told to make a movie and we got this is it good don't know <laughs> which film is that um I- i'm thinking of ending things okay. bingo which i'm pretty uh, sure i've asked that before and it was the exact same answer before it. right see this this is this is an interesting one because i've seen that and all i can think of with it is i've not like the only charlie coffin thing i've seen is being john malkovich um not seen but that. From, but from what i've heard from everyone that likes synecdoche new york and likes adaptation and especially you enter with eternal sunshine this is the most charlie kaufman film to ever charlie kaufman yeah yeah it's yeah it's definitely a battle between this and synecdoche new york they're very uh art sim- art film in quotes art film uh, yeah <laughs> art yeah it's um you know some art films are just like kind of low budget with kind of more uh small scale this is just art nonsense but anyway <laughs> scream yeah <laughs> scream yeah um I, what you was your talk- guys of- oh sorry can no, i oh, go for something? it go you go for it bigger what what was your guys's opinion of Billy, Sydney's boyfriend? Oh, he's such a douche. I hate him so much. He gave me the rage. Yeah. Because I feel like he was Johnny Depp and the other guys like Love Child from Nightmare on Elm Street, where he had like the sort of. It felt like he was fluctuating between those two characters, of like the boyfriend being accused by murder no he's just really sweet in here for his girlfriend but also he's really crazy no he's just really sweet in here for his girlfriend like i i wasn't convinced by any characterization of him Mm. no i kind of to be honest all i got from is that he kind of came across as a bit of a creep (laughs) which i guess is appropriate considering the outcome of the film yeah there was a a couple bits where i'm like "Hmm, this is getting a little yeah a little rapey (laughs) not good we we don't want Not that great. in our movies. Um, yeah. uh, and I guess the way they would frame that is like, well, he's a psychopath. Get him. Yeah. He's also, the villain. Their final plan of kill everyone else. Um, stab each other. Billy and Stu are the like last two. They stab each other. They're like, oh, we're we're fine. And then the police show up and they're like, oh, we're so glad you survived. And like, Billy. Why do you have corn syrup? I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, Yeah, were you thinking that too? Because, you know, after they do the, you know, reveal that it was, it just looks like Kool Aid the rest of the shots. It doesn't look that realistic in the rest of them. Which I guess they need to differentiate real and fake blood, but. um, Yeah, there's so many ways you could have faked your death without all the added blood needed. Yeah, even then, just yeah, stab yourself like slightly early. Yeah. Oh god, when Stu gets stabbed a bit too much by Billy, and he's just properly like losing it, <laughs> he's like, "I'm losing a lot of blood here, man." <laughs> it's um, my, it's like my mum's gonna be so mad. That's like my favorite yeah. quote in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only quote I could remember. So yeah, it's, well, I remember the. The Billy, Billy being like the sort of psychopath, being like, "Oh, um, movies doesn't don't invent psychos; they just make psychos more creative." Mm. Kind of line, which I suppose would have been big at the time, considering this would have been what around the time that video games were kind of in the news for 
a lot of sort of violent crimes being committed across the United States, I guess. Yeah, the the bat, yeah, the baton would have been getting passed from uh, movies to video games at the time for let's just blame the media for our problems. Let's keep it all hunky dory and above board. <laughs> how could we be at fault guys right right mm, nevertheless but <laughs> nevertheless um it was it was interesting you guys mentioning the music choice um i did quite well i enjoy hearing it anywhere anyway because i'm a big nick cave fan but like red right hand i've heard kind of just ends up becoming the theme of scream where it kind of appears in every single film or am I making that up? Am I am I being crazy? I, am, I don't understand music. <laughs> um, if it, <laughs> if it's a song, there are songs in the other ones. I can confirm that for you. Uh, Becca concurs. The other ones have music, yes. Yeah. It's the song. So maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's it's maybe. the song. It's the song that plays right after the curfew gets called. And is it Dooley or Dewey? Dewey. Dewey's, Dewey's driving Sydney and her friend to uh, somewhere, and then as soon as he shuts the door, it like kind of goes in time with the music. Um, that's the best I can mm. describe it. I'm not going to sing it on the podcast. The listeners do not get oh, that. Come on, oh, go come for on. it. Sing it go for us, it. and then you can cut it out. You're the editor. You're in charge of this. Um, I just remember the the line where he kind of goes, um, talks about his catastrophic plan and his dusty black coat with his red right hand. And it goes ding, 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 ding. No, might get, you're, might you're, get, and it nothing. You're, you're, I knew what song you're on about the whole time. I just wanted you yeah. to sing it. God, I, I damn didn't it, know Becca. Song, but you have a, a full laboratory there of wires and a, a drum machines and jazz. Recreate you, it. You, yeah. You turn that into the full song, time. the new theme song for the podcast. Do you know? Do you know what? For next time, if if there is a point where I want to name a song choice, I will. I will. Make it, hook it up to my sound card, and then play it through here for you all to listen to. Such power. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Had, uh, it's good fun. So, um, have any of you got any like big criticisms of the film at all? Anything that... I know, Anton, you were saying that it doesn't. you don't think it stands as well as a horror on its own. Yeah. But with all the meta-commentary, it's kind of... It, it, that's what kind of like raises it up. So yeah, I was just kind of watching it, you know, trying, uh, you know, watching it with my partner and trying to see what lens they may have been viewing it through. And I was like, ah, this is very cliche, and the characters are a little bit overdone, because of course they are. They're they're kind of projecting a lot of the archetypes and the stereotypes and all that jazz. Um, but overall, very very pleased. I I like just how myth similar to my uh praise towards uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street the kind of conclusion of it and the Hells Have Eyes the, the kind of um, awkward van scene where everybody's stumbling over. I just love how clumsy and messy things get. It's not slick, it isn't dramatic, it's just well I guess dramatic it is but I just love that it's just, the house just gets trashed. It's just a, yeah, a I, mess. I feel, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like especially with Ghostface, say if you compare him to like Michael Myers, I feel like he is so like Michael seems like he's efficient and he he gets through where he's go, gonna go. Maybe the same with Jason. I've not seen enough of Mister Voorhees' movies, but um, he I feel like weird go- and religious. That, what? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fun Jason f- fact for you. Fun- <laughs> inserting it in there. <laughs> he gets weird and religious. 
Um, Ghostface feels very like li- clumsy. Like I feel like he messes up. He get, he gets a, he gets beat up a lot. <laughs> like there's a bit where he gets, he gets beer hit bottled. by doors a lot. Yeah, he does. You know how gets... many doors he got hit by? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got hit by like even six if... beer bottles in the garage as well. Yeah, even a fridge door. You gotta be kind of clumsy for a fridge door to take you out, especially when it's like thrown by like tiny Rose McGowan. Yeah, I, well, I guess if it's Matthew Lillard, then it kind of <laughs> makes sense with it being. At that point, it would have been Billy, because Matthew Lillard was seeing people at the house. Because if you watch it a second time, you can figure out kind of roughly which ghost face is where, and sometimes there's two of them together. Oh boy! That's um, how they can uh, yes. make all the fun teleportation gags and go full uh, Jason with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like an easy thing. It's like, how does Jason go by? It's like, uh, there's two of them. Da, da, da. Yeah. And that's um, how the film was made. Can I... oh, sorry, go for it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, um, speaking of Matthew Lillard being in the room with everybody, did find it quite fun. Were they, were they watching Prom Night or were they watching Halloween? Uh, where they're they were Halloween, yeah. They were watching Halloween. Um, where they were kind of like... Um, Movie nerd get yeah. I just saw you doing your Friday shirt. <laughs> I just it's not the film we're talking about, Anton. <laughs> I was like, I'm wearing something horror. I tried to plan in advance. <laughs> I'm wearing a QMU hoodie. Oh, the, I did not. Plan the horror in <laughs> university <laughs> in 2020. Oh. oh, we did do university in 2020. Oh. We just didn't get to properly finish it's, it. They they replaced the logo after like soon as we left. So it's all of our stuff is immediately out of date. It's a scandal, I say. Good. Ah, it's time stamped. Is that how you see it? Yeah. Um, what's that? It's time stamped. Wait, what's? Uh, oh, what your university's time stamp? Yeah, because yeah. it has um. Uh, like the university merch we have, you can figure out we went to university like before the twenty twenty year because we have all the old stuff. So you guys are perfectly. So if anyone wants to know when you went, they can pinpoint it pretty much. Yeah. Or at least the like, rough the rough era. If they're wanting to do the weird Sherlock graphics, then sure. <laughs> oh god, please don't do the Sherlock graphics. I already am. <coughs> but, um, yeah, I loved how. Uh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, horror movie nerd is just. Randy. Randy. The good boy. Randy Bobandy is like. Yeah, R- Randy's kind of calling out all the nonsense. Just start to name game him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Randy starts calling out um, all the nonsense. They're like, just turn around, just turn around, don't go up the stairs, and like all that stuff. I think, again, more more of the meta stuff. That I think that's the the stuff that really got me in. That was kind of like this. Like, it, it's fun. It's it screams like this is coming from a guy who has made so many horror movies. He knows the end. He is able to comfort comfortably sit in his director's chair and pick it apart. Which uh, I I think the goal. Like, I think my favorite scene of him just. Uh pointing out then doing something is the bit where they go back up the stairs because it is a such a common critique it's like why would you go up the stairs but they make it so they have to go up the stairs um and somehow they don't break their legs in the process which i guess is good <laughs> oh yeah so they manages to like magically jump out the window onto like a safe canvas surface in the truck <laughs> yeah that's from that happens a lot in is it texas chainsaw massacre uh, when people get thrown out the window it's uh, a little bit out of my memory of but it, it, you know 
I've played enough Assassin's Creed to know that there's always something soft and squidgy placed at an appropriate place. There's no, there's definitely like one horror franchise where someone gets like murdered by getting thrown out a window like onto a car. I, I think it might be like a Friday. I'm not sure, but yeah. And then in the subsequent sequels of poorer quality, they try and recreate it like three times, and it's never as effective. But you know, Sydney landed on a boat, which we all know boats are like nice and squishy and not hard in the slightest. Definitely not. Definitely. You don't have windscreens right where she lands. Nah, it's um, you know, if if boats were were solid, that it would puncture the water and it would leak out into the. Yeah, if boats were solid, they'd sink. Yeah, exactly. They need to be all soft. But yeah, it's um, what? That's how physics works. How did you feel about the the Courtney Cox character, the the reporter? Strange. <laughs> I was like, I got very surprised. I was like, wait a minute, is that? Hang on, <laughs> what? Yes, but she's quite a weird choice if you've like never seen the screams before. Yeah, you have no idea she's there. You're like, hey, Monica. Oh, wait. Yeah, and it's also weird where it, at first it seems like she's like preying on the obviously the detective, but then later on in the movie, it's like, are they actually trying to ship them? No, that doesn't feel right. What's this? Yeah, it's very confusing. Um, yeah, I, f- I felt kind of weird with with her because I kind of felt like she was kind of like a like a jerky character in the fact that you know she's making money off of Sydney's mother passing. Um, but then in a way you could sit, you could frame it like, oh no, she's just trying to find out who the actual killer is, um, which could be a good motive. But then you see her talking with her cameraman, who's like, oh, this will do numbers for my book sales, and you're like, oh, come on, is this? What are your morals here? I'm like she seems very sort of more for her personal gain, but trying to disguise it as under a veil of I'm doing the good thing, trying to find the truth. Yeah, the the thing I do like about them is it makes it like quite often when there's movies like this and it just ends in a pure bud blap at the end. There's a bit of just like you look at the the survivor and you're like, yep, you're going to jail. They don't believe anybody else was responsible for this. But I feel like her combination with our protagonist, I feel like they could get out of that and explain themselves and uh, live freely, um, which I think was my... F- yeah, especially with the camera recording. Oh, everything. yeah, I forgot about that camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a 30-second delay that ends up killing the cameraman. Yeah, F's in chat for Kenny. Our boy. <laughs> Poor Kenny. So, so if 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 we were gonna rate, if we're if we're gonna rate where we'd rank these in terms of our sort of fav, like if we're gonna rate the West movies now that we've kind of reached this point, Anton, where would you rate these? How would you how would you rank oh, these? Um, from yeah, I think for myself, I would go uh, Hills Have Eyes at the bottom. And then I would put Scream and then Nightmare, but it is really close between those top two. I I think just Nightmare, just I, I like the omnipotence of it. Like it's just you. I I said this wrong in the last podcast as well. <laughs> what was that word you wanted? Omnipotence. Gonna try again. Omnipresent. What is an omnipotence? <laughs> uh, an omnom. Um, but yeah, I just love uh, the phenomenon. Mm, but yeah, I think Nightmare's at number one. How about yourself, Becca? Um, same ranking, but like 
not a close call between Scream and Nightmare. Mm. I didn't enjoy Scream as much as I thought I would. Yeah, I, I'm going to... I just, I hated the relationship between Billy and Sydney. Yeah. It infuriated me as well. That wasn't believable in the slightest. Like, if it was just, like, Matthew Lillard was leading it, and Billy was just kind of, like, there, the other way around, I would have believed it. But, like, yeah, I just, I he didn't sell me as, like, a murderer or serial killer who was, like, psychopathic. <coughs> he seems like sad moody boy until he flips. Yeah, sad moody boy that just is a bit thirsty. Yeah, and rewatching it, he doesn't even hide it that well. Like when you watch it the first time, because you're like not sure if it is him, and then it's maybe him, and then he's like, "Oh no, it's not actually me," and you're you're quite like, "Okay," but then when you rewatch it, knowing that it's him the whole time, you're like, "Wow, yeah, you're really obvious." Like no wonder your girlfriend knew from the moment she saw you. That it yeah. was you. <laughs> drop, drop the phone. Um, had the outfit. Do <laughs> you find the outfit right outside? And like you see, Sydney like literally take it off very quickly at the end of the film. It's like this. Oh, yeah, no contest. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely a case of where I think Scream does a has a lot of really good highs and possibly higher highs and nightmare of just really good bits and things it does really well. There's a lot more blemishes on that, this movie, than Nightmare, where Nightmare, I just feel like, is a lot more consistent in its quality and approach. But the flaws of Scream, I think a lot of them do come with it of maybe exaggerating the previous genre. And I think that kind of forces some of the characters to be worse than they they needed to be. Uh, But how about yourself? First time viewing all three, where, where are you feeling? Okay, so I would say I agree with you on Hills of Ice, third. And second, second, I'm going to put Nightmare just and then put Scream at the top because I just, I love all the sort of, I, I, to be honest, in general, I've really enjoyed watching this progression of Wes's style because, like, with Hills of Ice, you can tell it's very early on, it's very, like, cheaply, sh- like, very, um, very cheaply shot. But he still worked well within his like the confines of what he had. Nightmare is him on a full budget going full blown into horror. Like uh, I still think about that scene with Johnny Depp. Holy ge- oh my god! Um, and with Scream again, I think I said it earlier. I just like the idea that he is so comfortable in horror that he can kind of just go in and pick it apart bit by bit, while also still giving some like genuine, like still playing on tropes and still keeping you guessing, pretty much all the way through the movie. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be uh, rewatching. I think the the Scream and Nightmare franchises. Uh, Scream higher priority because I want to have them watch for Scream Five, uh, and it's gonna be. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see which one matures the better once se- rewatching the the sequels. Um, you 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 alluded that you're kind of maybe keen on watching the the form up the other Screams. Would you do that with Nightmare, or are you kind of focused on Scream? Oh, I'd absolutely do it for Nightmare. Um, might have to cover my eyes for the spider bit, but you know, I'll be fine. <laughs> I can't remember uh, when the spider... I can find out if one of us watches it first and we remember if there's any spiders in it. We can tell you. Thank we you. Um, need a, a website like... Uh, there's one that's like, does the dog die? We need... Is there spiders? Yeah, does the spider <laughs> appear? <laughs> yeah, where, where, where it be. Um, 
but yeah, no, I think um, I I want to watch Nightmare again more more than I want to watch Scream because I kind of want to go through Nightmare with Liv because I feel like Liv would enjoy Nightmare more than Scream. Yeah, like quite a fair whack. Yeah, and despite being older, I think it's aged slightly more gracefully in Scream. I think oh, where yeah. Nightmare is a older film now. Scream feels like it hasn't hit that old stage and it's just a little bit dated in some areas so I'm, I think it needs a little bit more time mm. to mature like a wine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah go there um, horrible analogies do you, yeah do you think we'll get to a point where Scream is just too out of touch for new watchers because a lot of the plot is based on they can only call landlines and landlines are slowly like becoming things that only people above a certain age have and that no one has mobiles so that's how you got it you gotta wait like a week to get your mobile call logs in it's already quite dated technology that the whole plot's based around do you think it'll get to a point where people just can't connect to it anymore you know i wish i could say no but i've started seeing people talking about the xbox 360 and the ps3 as becoming retro because they're officially hitting two generations old now so i've given up all hope that hurts. yeah that stings basically once they hit two generations they're officially retro and i don't like that it has xbox live and netflix how can that be retro i'm venting <laughs> <laughs> But like, um, oh, it is strange. I think I will say this. I guess Scream kind of already kind of feels has a thing where people don't relate to anymore. Speaking of Netflix, I mean that scene in the in the video store. Oh, like I, I, yeah, they they definitely don't exist anymore. That was my first thought. I was like, oh, I remember Blockbuster. Not gonna lie, I completely forgot that it's films that they rent. I thought they were just there to buy them. Mm. Yeah. But see that that as long as there's still stores for like DVDs and stuff, we don't go fully digital with media. Then that can still be like passed along and stuff. But like you know, might get to a point when they're like, uh, "Why can't she just take the phone outside?" Like makes no sense. And also like getting confused in the opening when uh, Casey or Drew Barrymore's parents pick up the landline and they can still hear her. Yeah. Like if you didn't know that it used to be that. Um, if you had a separate phone hooked up to the same number in your house, you can pick it up and like spy on people's conversations and hear what they're saying. If you had no knowledge of that, then that wouldn't make any sense to you. It'd be like, was the caller killer calling from her house? Like, what? I can think of a couple... Of, I can't remember the name of the films, but I can already think of films on top of my head. I can picture the scenes where that is the crux of, <laughs> of scenes in a film. So, so yeah, uh, I guess we, we enjoy this and then... Uh, 40 years we'll watch our uh, horror movies where the killers uh, found them on TikTok and we can be like well in my <laughs> if you watch the this killers tic- locating people by snap map oh my god oh my god <laughs> it's um it's 3DS friend codes oh no that's already relevant oh, oh no <laughs> you picked that one's retro as well um, yeah, I think, I, I think that one's got another pick, gen yet. It's got another generation until that one's gone. But um, man, it's old. Did the XLs count as another generation? Um, no, I I think that's technically eighth gen. So we're currently moving on to ninth. So we're fine there. DS is retro. PSP retro. 
Um, oh, we should have we should we should have went with Picto Chat, the cursed Picto Chat. Oh room. yeah, then we're then we're living in the noughties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was gonna, I, I was gonna say something, but it just totally escaped oh, my mind. Oh, are you gonna make a sick MSN reference? Yeah, we'll bring them I all out. It. But um, how did you manage to avoid using MSN? I did not have a social life in high school. Oh, F's in chat for Sam. I was just going to say, where where does this sit in your overall rankings uh, amongst the podcasts? Ooh, I'm going to have a look at this right now. Because um, um, I've got it easy. It's, uh, you know, free movies, no worries. Yeah, you've done yours. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're set. Um, I'd say... I haven't even added in the other two. I think, I think Wes is... Okay, so here we go. I think I'm going to go with... Alright, so my rankings are from worst to best. Stepford Wives, Drive Cost Concrete, Morven Keller, Dark Crystal, Ratcatcher, Little Shop of Horrors, Brawl and Sub-Lock 99, Bone Tomahawk, Scream, You Were Never Really Here, We Need to Talk About Kevin. I just realised that uh, Nightmare's not on here. Nightmare is in between Brawl and Bone Tomahawk. Fabulous. It's... Um... Yeah, Scream actually got fairly high, so thank God I didn't recommend yeah, this I'd... awful movie to you. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been so a, a long couple of weeks if you just were like, actually, obviously you've seen them, Becca, but you were just like, I hate yeah. oh, movies now. I, you know, I, I thought video yeah. games were just all right, but turns out movies are awful. They're the best. <laughs> anyway, where, where are you feeling, Becca? Um, I had to add all three of them in because I do that at the end of like all of them I wasn't expecting to be so put on um from oh stop leaning on the squeaky chair from a least favourite to most favourite Drag to Cross Concrete Morven Caller Then the Hills of Eyes Brawl and Cell Block 99 The Stepford Wives Ratcatcher Bone Tomahawk We Need to Talk About Kevin Scream Dark Crystal You Were Never Really Here Nightmare on Elm Street Little Shop of Horrors good list yeah we were almost there with Nightmare but you're just not beating my musical didn't think to be honest Becca I don't think anything we ever review on this channel going forward is going to beat Little Shop maybe I don't know if we ever do Tom Hooper and do Les Mis I'm pretty obsessed with that film oh wow I may or may not have had one of the songs in my head for like two days now was it the Gavroche song no surprisingly it's the one where um, they're in a cafe and Marius is like I'm so in love with this lady and uh, Andres is like but the revolution though but then Gavroche <laughs> shows up at the end so it's saved you know yeah remember if it doesn't have Gavroche what's the point yeah exactly See, the, so a rebranded podcast where's Gavroche the, the thing I like about your guys list is I've actually not seen any of the movies except the three I've been on here for they're all blind to me so I'm just like those are definitely movie names I've one of them was literally on our university watch list for one of our modules. Yeah. Our main film module for a semester. We had to watch yeah. it. You know, was this. Anton didn't. Was we it need to talk about Kevin. I was going to say, was it that or Ratcatcher? Because I know we saw Ratcatcher through one of the viewings, but I don't, think that was, I don't think it was on a module. Don't know when she watched it, but yeah, we need to talk about Kevin was definitely a lecture viewing yeah i i think i've watched like 
I, w- I watched it the first year, like first year, first semester or something. Um, don't know which one. Maybe may have made it the year, and I was just like, "Yep, this hasn't added to anything." So I just cut it out. Um, they were fun though. You get to meme about and then maybe nap if you're tired. Mm. Yeah, I think my h- issue was is I don't watch many movies to begin with, so it was just like, or enough movies to begin with. So it's good you weren't doing a film course yeah, then. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't. I'm not like. It's weird. I feel like there's some people in our course that love to love movies, and then there's people that love to make movies. Uh, and I am definitely not watching my fair share of movies. <laughs> yeah, you and Louise make movies, and I watch enough movies for the both mm. of you. It's a a yin and yang. The true the true compliment. <laughs> a yin and yang with three people. Yin yang and yo. Everybody manage? forgets about yo. <laughs> Uh, hmm. anyway I'm just rambling so, nonsense I'm surprised she's haven't kicked me off yet that's okay so I was going to actually ask this to you Anton I just realised you've only been on for one director so if we're going to rate the directors Becca between the two of us where would uh-huh. you rank them so Zeller's um, at the bottom Zeller's immediately at the bottom because one I really hated one of his films and two I always go to say our lecturer's name instead of his actual name <laughs> One had more influence in my life, the other one made it worse. Um, then it'd probably be Lynn Ramsey, because even though I really loved her films, the Little Shop and Nightmare like really stand out for me with the other two. They had like much more of an influence on my life. I don't know if I could pick between Oz and Craven. That's fair. Oh, I just realized I've got a funny little story that I found out. So, speaking of your lecturer... Um, yeah. One is of it his... appropriate for the podcast? It is. Will you be cutting it out? Um, won't need to. I'm not going to use names. So, one of his... So, um, my friend... Shambles. Um, yeah, so your friend Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Classic. Uh, you know, he's a really good magician. Yeah. Um... His uh, his stepdaughter. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mustafa's stepdaughter, uh, yeah. Jemima. Yeah, Jemima. Uh, Jemima worked on a play with Frank Oz, doing like the production design, and didn't know who he was, and was really confused why everyone was making puppet jokes all the way through the production, until they finally saw a sign at the front saying Frank Oz from Little Shop of Horrors and the Muppets and like Star Wars, and she was like. Oh, this makes sense now. I'm, I'm assuming this is a stepdaughter that doesn't currently live close by. No, not that one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the other Jemima. Yeah. Also a cat, <laughs> the by other... the way. Just thrown it out there. Jemima is one Jem- of the cats in Cats. Mm. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you'd yeah. keep the continuity going. Yeah, one of my, you got one it. my favorite uh, instances is when you hear people and uh, like stories of people chatting to famous people and they don't know who they are like i, I remember hearing or like seeing some stuff from reddit of this person i met justin bieber on a beach and they're like a 60 year old 50 year old man and they, they're just having a conversation i was like yeah very friendly no worries uh, and just random instances like that I, th- I think my favorite example of this that i've ever heard of all time i couldn't believe it was uh, one of my cousin's pals he went and used the bathroom in a club uh, and when he went to the urinal uh, to his right was a one Mr. Dr. Dre 
What? Wow. Um, and he said, yeah, and he said, sorry, mate, excuse me. And he was just like, oh, no problem. And he's like, hey, your accent sounds, are you American? He's like, where are you from? And I'm from Compton. And he just went, it's a bit rough in Compton, like, and then walked away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Only for one of his friends to point out when he came back. He's like, dude, that's Dr. Dre. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, what? Yeah. I <laughs> just judge like... Dr. Dre like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's a good one I like, uh, it's, yeah I know right <laughs> I, I just like somebody just being like just telling Dr. Dre what Compton's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly god <laughs> obviously not on the, the same oh. sale but uh, my good good friend podcast Mike uh, I do the podcast with he met up with a, a music composer who does it's like done a bunch of stuff with Hans Zimmer and the like like that level music composer um and it was like at this because he does a bunch of like speaking at like music rights and like uh, not rights what are they when you get people to group together to demand rights uh in a field like a count a union yeah he does uh friend mike he he did lecture and so he does a uh, a bunch of stuff like that where he goes and speaks at these union things and it, they had this composer because he's born uh, in Glasgow and he, he was just chatting and he was taking so much interest in that Mike writes like music for K-pop and then at the end of it found out that he's literally like was doing stuff in like Hollywood the next day for like big quadruple A movies and it was just like he was like more interested in the the quadruple movies yeah the big boy movies we don't even get to see them we're too poor um they the scream there has like f- six sequels it's crazy uh anyway <laughs> holy hell but i like the implication that there's a separate screen yeah they get the <laughs> she said the scream there they get their own west craven you know scream. it's kind of like uh, so the lion king where they do like the 2.5s and stuff like that it's uh Oh. Yeah, you get to find out the backstory of Matthew Lillard mm. <laughs> and how it connects up to all his other films. Oh, God. The what MLU, just... it's the Matthew Lillard universe. So what, we just track him from Hackers to Scream to Scooby-Doo to then, well, to 13 Ghosts, then Scooby-Doo, and then finally the latest season of Twin Peaks where he shows up and plays like a middle-aged dad? Yes. And then maybe one day when he's being Trump. You see that, that on... Um, Twitter, where someone shared a picture of Trump and there's a picture of Matthew Lillard where he's looking quite like Trump and was like, my perfect casting if they were ever to make a film. And he retweeted it. Oh my and he was God. Like, I'm both, I think it was like, he's both offended and like honoured and he would do it. I'd watch that. I would also watch it. It's only like Trump related media I would consume. Yeah. Same. So I guess that brings us to the end then. Of... Did you rate your directors? Oh no, I did not. I totally got sidetracked. Oh, so yeah, we start talking about <laughs> <laughs> So I think I think I'd put. I think, and here's the thing: like, I'm when I'm writing these, I don't have an active dislike of all these directors. I've enjoyed all the all the films. Ex- well, yeah, they've they've got their own artistic merit. licenses. <laughs> yeah, so. It's weird. I, I feel I don't want to put him at the bottom, but I want to, I'm going to put Frank Oz at fourth, despite the fact I enjoyed all of his films greatly. Mm. Um, Zeller. You just hated Stepford Wives that much. I just hated Stepford Wives that much. Yeah. Um, Zeller. It's a fun I, film, Anton. You should give it a watch. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm no. scared. No, you shouldn't. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I put uh, um, I put Zella third. Um, mainly because to be honest, if Dragon Cross Concrete was good, it'd be higher up. But no, <laughs> you stay there. You stay where you belong. I just like I love. Yeah, it's getting dragged so across the concrete. Yeah, right to the near the bottom of the list. Um, second is Wes, because as someone who is new to consuming horror, I thought it was great, fantastic, loved, like thoroughly enjoyed every single one of those films. Um, and then number one is Lynn Ramsey. I just. I don't know, there's something about her films, man. <laughs> something about her films. You really just... enjoyed all of them. Mm-hmm. Well. My favourite fact about that is that even though we're the only two consistent people on the podcast, we ranked each other's directors last. Yeah. There Ooh, we go. Civil War. Uh, oh. Trying to shade each other. Pick better directors next time, each no, other. No, here's the thing, though. I don't even blame you for putting Zeller at the bottom. In the slightest. I think... You'll enjoy my next pick. Uh, you know who it so is. Who's, who's up next in the, um, the rotation for directors? It is Samwise. Oh, you... It is, and I've got my uh, and I've got my picked out. Hang on, I'm I'm gonna leave. We get... to... Oh, we get a visual announcement. All you the audience vi- members miss out. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Me and Anton will vamp. Right. Cool. And by vamp, I mean we're gonna talk bad things about. Hello. Sam. Can you believe he directed Frank Oz last? Hello. My name's Sam. I'm gonna move away from the microphone when I'm doing this because I picked a little bit. <laughs> I like Yakuza. I'm sorry, Sam, for what your ears are doing now. In the Yakuza Four, there's a guy. He he goes and and there's a unicorn room, but none of them are unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know where the horns come into it. Hmm. Oh, Louise can probably hear this and is like, um, what is the podcast of all It's, um, you know, it's a... Why am I also Gavrosh? He can hear us! Oh, eh, eh, the, the economy, eh? You're not Gavrosh, it's my perfect impression of you. Look, I'll do an impression of Anton. Hello, my name's Anton and I like horror films, but I'm going to only watch, like, four films. What did you, you think know, of that impression, You know, that is Anton? fair, um... It's weird. I've seen a lot of films. I just so many of them have been like seen by four people. It sucks. What is your? But I can guess the answer. But what's your favorite? Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I've never seen that. Were you disappointed in me? Uh, no, no. It's uh, it it didn't do. I know about yeah, it. Yeah, it it was a a very monumental film for a lot of the careers involved, but. Yeah, uh, Lost in Translation's quite up there. Uh, Being John Malkovich is quite up there. Florida Project is, I think, one of the most underrated films of all time. Um, Was that with Willem Dafresne? Yeah, Willem Dafresne. It's fantastic. It's one of my favourite Willem Dafresne performances. I've not seen any of Anton's favourite films, but to be fair, I don't think he's seen any of mine, Mm. so... I just missed that. So, Anton, what was your what was your top picks? I know Eternal Sunshine is number one and will never be replaced. Of course, uh, I put Lost in Translation in there. I put Being John Malkovich. Excellent. Malkovich in there. Florida Project's fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed Queen and Slim recently. Um, I, I I want to rewatch it to get a, a more critical eye on it, but just the editing and presentation of it, uh, and from such a, a fresh young director, I'm really excited to see what she does next. I. My um, you're the actually second person that's told me to watch Queen and Slim as well, oh. and I do want to see it. 
Uh, my dad's a big fan of it's it. He he absolutely loved really it. Really good. I really want to get the, uh, like to get the soundtrack for it because it bops. But nevertheless, what's it, the next movies? So the next movies I was gonna pick. He only did four before he passed away, but I'm only gonna pick these three because these are the three that I kind of hold dear to my heart, which is the work of one Satoshi Kon, who was a Japanese animation director who did the films Perfect Blue, which uh, Darren Aronofsky has taken a lot of influence from, Tokyo Godfathers, which is my favourite Christmas film of all time, and Paprika, which is basically the inspiration behind Inception. Wow. I... Th- hmm. Hmm. So is this your, so, your first animated uh, um, stunt or foray? Yes, this, this is the first foray into animation. Yes, fabulous. I'm trying to think if we did anything, but the closest we got to was, I guess, the puppets on the dark crystal. Yeah. Would be... Fab. But um, a different form of non-live action. Yeah, I um, I just I really I have been. St- like championing Satoshi Kon for years. he's one of my favorite directors of all time. I think he's ama- I think he was amazing. Uh, the stuff he came up with. He also did a TV series, but obviously we're not gonna look into that, which I also think is fantastic. And he, I will say with and the thing with these three films is they're all kind of radically different. This is kind of like a sort of thriller, adventure, fun kind of thing, um, like little Christmas comedy caper, and this is a straight up thriller slash horror movie. Uh, I'm putting the warning out there right now. It is. It, this is one of the most distressing films I've seen. <laughs> just word of warning. It's gonna be just me and you because Louise won't watch it. She might. Are maybe. they? Are they dubbed? Uh, Perfect Blue is dubbed. I think Tokyo Godfathers is dubbed. Paprika is dubbed. Okay, because dub- remember, not everyone can read. Okay. Or read good. I should clarify. Okay. Um, read fast. Okay. Tokyo Godfathers is not dubbed. I can is go that the get... spooky one? No, that's this one. This is a shame. This is one of my favourite movies of all time. God damn it. Um, yeah. So, with that, I think... Uh, we'll talk about that off the podcast. Sounds fabulous. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see um, it once the, the episodes yeah. go live. Thank you very much, Anton. And again, thank you for coming on to the show. It's, You've been a, yeah, a it's terrific been guest. It's been a pleasure. For First guest. <laughs> um, hopefully I haven't uh, desensitised or annoyed anybody. But uh, if so, uh, oh, you'll never. never see me again. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm gone. We may see you for spooky animated one. Mm. We need a third person. Mm. Uh, yeah, let me know how Louise gets on with that. Again, apologies in advance. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it up to them. I, I literally thought I'd be bold and pick this one because Louise was like, dude, just pick whatever you want. It's fine. Well, to be fair, Louise's next pick is not, also not English, so... Mm. Then again, it's a language that they know. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I was like... I remember thinking, was like, oh yeah, Louise can speak. <laughs> you ruined it. going to have to censor that. You spoiled it. It's like two rotations away. There's a, there's a lot of directors in Ooh! cinema... And a lot that might not be themselves. I admit you're going to need to beep every time you say the F word. Okay. It's fine. I've got the beep saved from previous podcasts. So that's okay. Good. Right. 
But anyway, bye everybody, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Au revoir. Bye. Colors of a bright elation stolen